0: I want to thank our sponsor, Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement, and the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales, and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in Spring or online at planetford.com. you're listening to Crime Scene Today. I'm your host, Dan Zintek, joined by co-host Leslie McCauley, and we're going to be talking about current issues facing law enforcement from uh, the news and headlines that were pulled in the last part of February. So thank you for joining me, Les.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me. A
0: a couple of things. that that sort of stood out to me some some uh i guess big headlines um one that sort of feeds into the other here uh it was talking about um, more pedestrians getting hit uh, more pedestrians being involved in accidents and one of the comments that uh, was made on that let's see um, said that uh, U.S. pedestrian fatalities reached a 30-year high last year. This is from the New York Post. Uh, nonprofit Governor's Highway Safety Association uh quote, the many factors, uh, quoting economic conditions, population growth, uh, weather condition, fuel prices, and the last part, they said changing patterns of drug use and decriminalization of marijuana. You know, and one of the things, I mean, no matter what some people's opinion on decriminalizing marijuana is or, or not, we've we've often uh, wanted to talk about the the impact as far as to policing, you know, whether it's in Colorado or Washington or other places that is legal, and and to a point, I guess, you know, depending on your current society, and, and I think that's really where it's sort of been left to, right? Because even though it's still federally against the law to sell marijuana, we have dispensaries all over. And this has been under um, Democrat and republican presidents that they have not gone out federally enforcing this so it pretty much has fallen back to local states to decide is this something you want and is this something that uh, your society accepts as far as uh, marijuana now i can tell you from being in law enforcement as long as i have i can see the impact as far as uh, uh driving and lackadaisical attitudes and and the End result of this. Um, and then there's also people that, you know, they, uh, you know, like they'll say as far as people drinking, that um, they're functioning drunks, they're functioning uh, on marijuana, and they have a, a life that uh, they live with this, right? Mm-hmm. But one headline that also stood out to me, and this one just blew me away, was in Hawaii. In Hawaii, um, so this was out of the Associated Press uh, on February 15th. And Hawaii is considered decriminalizing possession of small amounts of dangerous drugs, so they're looking at uh, heroin, meth, morphine, and cocaine, and making those misdemeanors.
1: Which is just shocking to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, I mean. Uh- I mean, how many conversations we had recently on the opioid epidemic and just about every officer now is carrying Narcan. I know we had a couple of instances in the past uh, few months where our officers had to use it on overdose. Right. And, you know, and here we have a state that's considering, uh, I mean, not really decriminalizing uh, to a point. I mean, they're not going to be felonies anymore, but uh, I guess for a misdemeanor um then you could have cocaine, morphine, heroin, meth. That that just blows my mind.
1: Right. Well, and the thing that stood out the most to me is, you know, in this brief summary that the bill states that it, that incarceration has no effect on rates of drug use or overdose deaths. I'm, I was just shocked to see that. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, what, what data is there? What kind of studies do they have? you know, to substantiate that, um, because I certainly, we see our, the impact of drug use in, in our local area with the type of um, suicides, the type of accidental deaths that we come across, the overdoses, suspected overdoses, um, and we're, you know, it seems like there's just now the initiative over the last several years to to really put data together um, on a bigger scale of how many of these deaths are, you know, are are drug related, of course, and and to try to come at it at, from different angles, you know, figure out which angle in the investigation um, where we can go track down the dealers and go after the dealers uh, for criminal charges and find associates and you know that kind of thing instead of just working it on a simple death investigation and,
0: and how many times in in our cases that I mean they say here that you know there's uh, you know that incarceration has no effect but there are many uh, users that by entering into the criminal justice system, I know that really shouldn't be the solution, but by putting them into the criminal justice system, they go to drug court, Mm -hmm. they get drug counseling, they get things that they would not get outside of entering that. And again, I know that shouldn't be the solution. The law enforcement criminal justice system shouldn't be the solution for many problems that that we're tasked with, you know, uh, drug abuse, mental health, all those things. Right. But I know that uh, one, a very proactive um, uh, judge, uh, Phil Grant in our area, has, has done some great work with the drug court. And I know he's posting all the time of his, his graduates, I guess that's what mm-hmm. you call them, right. from a uh, drug court that, are, that have met all these requirements. So I, I don't see how it's not beneficial to certain people that uh, you've heard the stories of that's like the the, the hitting rock bottom, right, when right. they finally got to that point. Others, it's not.
1: Right. And if you're impacting one person, then that's one person that we're not working a death investigation on. And, you know, hopefully they continue down that path and and use it for good to or talk to other people and, you know, explain that you can still get your life back together and and be a productive member of society without it.
0: I mean, I think one of the arguments that we always hear as far as uh, drug use, and I guess it's a a common, in my opinion, misconception as far as that uh, we have a lot of people sitting in prison for nonviolent offenses, for nonviolent drugs, and uh, I just can't wrap my head around because i find it so rare and and maybe it's because of the the types of crimes that that we work and have worked for many years but uh violence is around the drugs yeah i mean it's absolutely you know it's it's, the the, the the robberies (laughs) yes yeah the the killings everything i mean it's uh, they're they're associated i mean Uh um robberies over marijuana we've worked those deaths we've worked um you know people that are amped up on meth that, uh, you know, one sticks my head of the guy who cut his girlfriend up with the machete, right? I right. mean, this is someone, you know, uh, messed up on this that has led to violent things. So, yes, he went to jail for murder, right? you know, but prior to that, he was, you know, in jail for meth. So, um, you know, I I really uh, struggle with the nonviolent right. part of the drug world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even when even in, in movies and things that we don't like to refer to, it's not always the real thing, but I mean, uh, you don't see any type of drug TV show, drug movie or whatever, that violence is not part of that show. Right. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I
0: think we've, you know, one, go ahead. Now one, one case that stuck out to me was a, um, you know, we had a bank robbery, uh, in our, uh, uh, Southern part of the County and it, it was a person who had spent all of their money, on drugs and now their rent was due. Mm -hmm. So they walk in uh, to rob the bank just to get the rent money. Uh, He was captured not long after he, he did not display a gun. He didn't actually have a gun. He stated he did. He he threatened with it or whatever, but um, you know, he, he was stopped, went to jail and, and his whole purpose was he, he was glad he was caught. He wanted drug counseling. He wanted to receive help, you know, but Either way, he was willing to go into a bank, threaten someone to get money to to pay for his drug habit.
1: Right. And that desperation. Absolutely.
0: Well, and I mean, you know, out of all the uh, many murders, suicides, different things we've seen is, you know, so many people will make the comment to us when they see someone who has killed someone or done a horrible act. And they're like, you know, how could they be in their right mind? They have to have been insane. And, and not so much of the, the criminal insanity we're talking about knowing right from wrong, but just that they're not, they're not right. And Mm -hmm. how many of those people that were quote, not right was more related to their drug use. You know, someone was up for three or four days on meth Mm -hmm. or, you know, someone uh, you just had been using drugs, uh, and this has now become their life,
1: right? Or the murders that we have, even over drug deals, drug deals going bad. You know, there's still the buyer and the seller, and for whatever reason, trust or you know whatever the case is, and then next thing we know, we're working a murder on that. It still solely revolves around the drug use. So I, I'm. I'm baffled by it. I would love to read more <laughs> and and see what ultimately happens with, with Hawaii and this bill. Um, I, I'd be surprised if it actually passes, but you never know how these things go.
0: Well, I, I mean, I would hope that there's some common sense. And they realize that the, the massive impact that that would have. And, right. uh, you know, I, I am... I am curious to have a conversation with uh, law enforcement that actually is in Washington, that's in Colorado, to, to truly understand the impact. I mean, not not from the media side, not from the media's view, but truly, uh, has this increased their call volume? Has it decreased? Has it actually relieved some of the, the lab work that needs to be done because they're not sending marijuana there? Uh, you know, has it really hmm. balanced out, you know, the, the biggest... Uh, Proponents will say that it brings tax dollars in and that they're actually receiving money for it. But, you know, does that have to go to pay for more officers? Does that have to go to, to handle more resources for uh, homeless or other problems that come up due to this? I, I would just, I'd really like to have some insight for someone who's truly dealing with this versus sort of a, a bias from one side of the media or otherwise.
1: Right. Well, and I remember reading an article probably within about a year, year and a half, after Colorado legalized marijuana and that their death rate had actually increased from legalizing marijuana mm-hmm. um, so they were seeing an increase with the amount of not ov- overdose but death related you know drug related deaths since that point so i'm i would be curious to see if that has continued to incline or if it's leveled out or you know was there some other underlying factor um, that came into play with that? So,
0: yeah the the one thing that uh, that I've seen just over the years, I mean, again, no matter what someone's opinion is, is the the common theme I see is the apathy level. Uh, when someone is using right. so just a very much and i guess that, that's why you use it right to, to not care mm-hmm. right and but even talking to uh, some business owners and things uh, in colorado area as far as hiring employees and these that that seems to be a common theme of the very um uh, non-caring whether they have the job or don't have the job it's just uh right. you know to the the next event, type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have um, an issue here in, in Texas related to the marijuana laws that um, we had in the last legislature where uh, it seemed to be that they were focused on making hemp and the, uh, I guess, the agriculture part of hemp legal. And so therefore they decided to define what hemp was versus cannabis and the legal definition that texas came up with was a certain percentage of thc in in the plant or or otherwise that would make the differentiation between it being hemp or it being uh cannabis Mm -hmm. and i guess Failed to do their research there. And what was found after they passed this law is that our state labs are incapable and do not have the technology, resource, or otherwise to actually test for a percentage of what level of THC is in the plant.
1: Right. And, and even to that one, as soon as we all recognized that the state lab did not have the abilities, we. Locally, we started researching private labs that we could even potentially outsource to, and it was it was a struggle to even locate ones that that we could that were accredited that we could send evidence to to be analyzed, um, and ultimately, you know, it's, it came to the point where they realized that we need to invest resources into the state labs to get them up to speed. And, you know, and that's kind of the direction that it took.
0: So, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, to even though it's not legal, if we can't test it, then we have a, a backlog of evidence sitting there. Yeah. And on the other side of it, you have a person who, uh, you know, was stopped or detained or arrested or or whatever happened that uh, you don't have the necessary evidence and elements that you need to prosecute it so i know that's been a struggle with uh with the da's office Mm -hmm. our da uh is is um you know Uh, very aggressive towards uh, handling problems in the community of what they see as problems and drugs being a serious problem uh, to address those. So uh, certainly he stepped forward uh, immediately saying that, you know, it's not legal. We're still going to enforce it where there've been some surrounding counties that basically have sort of backed off and not outright said it's legal, but that they're just not touching it. Right,
1: exactly. They're not going to pursue those charges.
0: You know, and... I know. In, in most recent, we've uh, uh, we've heard from DPS Labs saying that they uh, are, are working on uh, testing stuff for felonies. Uh, they aren't going to be able to test misdemeanors to keep up with it, that it's more of a funding and a resource type of thing uh, more than it is the technology at this point. They're coming along with the technology, uh, but the amount of cases that are out there is just too overwhelming without the uh, resources or funding to handle those.
1: Right. So that leads you to question what's going to happen with these misdemeanor cases. You know, where are they going to fall right
0: locally? so inevitably have have we made marijuana legal by not being able to uh, meet the elements of the office
1: right right and where do we yeah. go from there so that,
0: <laughs> right so it, it'll be interesting to to see what happens with that and and over the course of the next year uh, with the labs and whether private labs step up whether we have money dedicated to it or uh, whether we need to revisit and uh, decide what uh, we're going to do with that, you know, but it's, it's also not the first time that there have been laws that I think are just sort of thrown out there. <laughs> and, um, without, without a lot of research there's a couple that really come to mind in the past legislatures that, uh, I refer to them as the feel good laws Mm -hmm. that by name, they sound great. They sound like something that people want, but they're, they're useless. Uh, one, at least, at least ours in Texas is the, uh, uh, it's supposed to be a, it's not a hands-free law. It was a, a no texting while driving law. Right. Right. And what i found ridiculous of it is that so to read the law it basically says you, you can't text while driving right. and that makes sense that's that's awesome and then we all know the dangers of it but that was it right meaning that the way the law is written you can check your email yeah <laughs> you can post on facebook yeah you read your facebook you can read your news you could uh all that stuff but you just can't text. that's right and an off to see you texting um and if you're stopped at a stoplight you can text right. so uh, you have to be moving <laughs> we have to see through your window yes. see that you're texting at the time uh and in, in case that wasn't hard enough they also said that uh if it's an emergency then then you can text right and they didn't define emergency, emergency. now emergency yeah. of me would be something in which an emergency service was needed sure. such as ems fire police that type yeah. of thing right but since it didn't constitute emergency it could be that you're 15 minutes from picking up your child and you're late mm-hmm. right that's an emergency to you or hey someone called and they you at the house to get something you know so it didn't define emergency right. so it, it's useless right. Right? i mean until we go back and revisit that it's it's just one of those laws that um
1: sounded good you
0: know again uh, we need a a texting while driving law we put one right right you know uh you know a true one would be a hands-free law i mean i i think majority of people have some way to bluetooth in their car these days um and even they have additional things like if it's not built into your car to to pay for like five dollars or ten dollars for a thing that goes on the visor or something right but I mean, just about every phone has the capability of Bluetooth.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the technology is there, and, and it's no longer something where it costs an arm and a leg in order to put something in your vehicle that might not be outfitted for it. I mean, you can easily hop on Amazon and find something for $10. You can go to the local store and um, and be able to, to get something. Now, obviously, you know, with a little bit more money invested in it you probably get much better quality but the end result is it's readily available so it's certainly feasible and a much better option i think
0: well uh, and i mean we're not the only ones that uh have had trouble with this so like i said we're talking about things that have come from news headlines mm-hmm. so uh, february 25th the associated press utah has a a bill to ban drivers' handheld phone use. Uh, And apparently they've had a law on the book that has been illegal since uh, 2007, but the law stated that they could not enforce just for that. They had to enforce... for another law on top of it meaning right. that if you saw someone driving with the phone you couldn't pull them over yep. for that they had to also be speeding or also be breaking some other law before you could stop them so apparently that's the big change is that the fact of you using the phone in and of itself is against the law and they actually right. are going to be able to enforce that so um, we're not the only ones who, who make some <laughs> crazy laws that make it no, difficult and i can imagine
1: that that's a you know, issue the, that affects every state and probably country you know, cell phones are just a normal part of our functioning daily lives. And I think that just, it's, it's become so commonplace that to go anywhere, I bet any jurisdiction is struggling with these kind of laws as well.
0: So the, um, let's see the other, uh, some other topics here that have come up, uh, one, um, was about recruiting, and we've talked about Mm -hmm. this a little bit before, but it looks like uh, Detroit is looking to hire 400 new officers. Uh, That was out of the Associated Press. Uh, They are going to spend a half a million dollars, $500,000 in advertising uh, for 400 (laughs) officers. Uh, they're going to run two video ads for 30 seconds. They're going to have digital media posters, billboards. And they said that um, it started in late uh, January. Applications are up by 35%. So I guess right. to a point it's working. But I guess the bigger question is, so what do you think is, I guess, stopping people from entering law enforcement uh, now versus Well, I in the think past? there's
1: probably several things several issues that are happening number one so they're saying that their applications are they have increased by 30 percent or 35 percent. i would be curious to know how many of them are quality applicants um are they getting- yeah right, how many
0: are good right are right pulling them out?
1: um you know I mean, we, we, we've we had applicants who have come in for interviews and, you know, part of the screening, when was the last time you smoked marijuana? And one response was in the parking lot before I came in. Okay, clearly law enforcement is probably not the best right. fit. And so, um, you
0: know. I don't know. We, we, we may be may. getting to that point. I mean, we just talked about the marijuana. Right. I mean, it, yeah. You're right, uh,
1: right. Um, but I, I mean, I think. To me, what I see the bigger issues as far as facing society is the general outlook and tone towards law enforcement that is sweeping across our country. Um, And I still believe that there are way more people that support law enforcement and public servants in general than people who are anti-police. However, the, I don't know, what's the word the.
0: I, I yeah. think the media yeah. score of drives that too I mean when I mean we, we've had some class I know you went through some too one of the leadership training courses that travels around the country is called mm-hmm. FBI Lida uh, for law enforcement and we had some uh, instructors come down and again they teach all over the nation and and uh, they were of course down down here in Texas and they made the comment that uh, they uh they were glad not to be in law enforcement as it is right now. And they know the struggles that we're going through with the public mm-hmm. and the community and, um, the, the problems that they've had and this, that and other, and, and everyone just has sort of a strange look on their face and we're uh-huh. like, what are you talking about? And apparently they had come from some of the more Northeast of the country where there are some uh, big problems between, uh, police and citizens, the community and building right. those relationships and you know pretty much down here we're like we don't have that problem i mean don't don't get me wrong i mean there's there's some conversations to be had in certain parts of the community to build those relationships that's not what i mean but uh for the most part right but but we have so Mm -hmm. much support out there um you know darren uh, during the hurricanes, there was not a time right. we had to worry about food. Uh, we had so much delivered up to the station. If we're ever out, it's always thanking us for mm-hmm. for our service and and for what we do. And it, it's more rare that we have someone that is uh, outwardly right. uh, against uh, the police or what we do uh, than it is not here. And and I guess that's unique to this and and not to other areas of the country. So, yeah, I mean that. That certainly plays a factor and I think, the media mm-hmm. driving that, um, right. uh, those issues, right? I mean, it's it's whatever right. makes the story. And
1: I think the social media factors in as well. You know, when, when we were both on patrol and, you know, certainly the officers that were in the field well before us, we didn't have to worry about the cell phones being so readily available and people videotaping everything. I mean, we we didn't have to worry that if we were in a fight or we, there was some other incident going on that we couldn't count on the witnesses and the bystanders to, you know, to come to our aid if necessary or something like that. Versus you hear these stories of, you know, there's a struggle on the side of the road and there's people that are standing by just videotaping so they can put it on YouTube or something like that. Um, You know, that that didn't factor into our our daily lives as police officers during that time. I mean, it just it wasn't there. So I wonder how much of that factors into that fear of, you know, you've got those cases where, you know, seemingly with the facts that are presented, the officer, however, he or she reacted was in the right. However, they've already been. "Quote unquote crucified in social media, so their ability to have a fair trial is severely affected now. Um, and you know, and that happened. That seems to happen throughout the country. Um, we hear cases that that pop up, and at least for me, it seems like it's slowed down in the more recent years, and I'm glad about that. So I'm hoping that people are starting to realize that." Um, rhetoric that's going on um and the hype that's going on in the media um they really need to start looking into the facts and find out before jumping to conclusions on either side uh what what actually occurred in that incident
0: you know I, i and i would agree i think it it has lessened it's not there and i hope that you're right. I hope that it's because that there's been sort of a change in the culture or change in the thought. Uh, I'm more concerned that it's just because there's something else going on right now. It's the bigger uh, political scene right now, as we just had super Tuesday this week and we have all the primaries and everything else. In other words, there's, there's other things for people to be clicking on in the news. Right. And uh, we know that the, the popularity of a story Drives the media because uh, no matter what people's thoughts of the media is, uh, it's a business. It's a business that they make money by their sponsors, and their sponsors pay by how many people are watching. You know, and uh, one new thing that I'd learned over the the past couple of years and talking to some media people and and things like that is there's a new type of journalism out there that it's actually very shocking and very concerning is there are now reporters that are paid by the click. In other words, you don't get a paycheck, unless someone clicks on your story. And that's why you see some of these sensationalized headlines that are, are cut off like clickbait, but they're actual news. And you have to click on them to see the rest of the story. And sometimes there's not much to the rest of the story, but you're paid by how many times they click on you. So yeah. you think about that as far as the integrity and and all that of, of the media, of what it should be of a true journalist aspect. And, and then you put in, well, your paycheck is based on how exciting right. your story is no going to be, right? Wow. Yeah, that
1: puts a whole other perspective, on the so, driving force
0: there. Right, and it uh, again, it's it's whatever is is selling, whatever is popular, you know, uh, you know. Back to some of the laws, one thing that I had uh, seen also as a headline that just totally uh, threw me off, and. In, in, gave me the question is we talked about the marijuana laws and prosecutors deciding or DAs deciding, Hey, we're going to prosecute this. We're not going to prosecute this. And it really raises the question of does a DA have the, I guess they have the authority. Do they have the right to just decide certain laws to enforce and not to enforce and where I saw this really stand out is in San Francisco or whatever county that is in California, that they decided that not to prosecute for prostitution and other misdemeanor crimes of sexual mm-hmm. nature. Or otherwise. I mean, and, you know, no matter your opinion of some of those crimes, if right. it's on the books, it's still a law. you know. I mean, I guess, I mean, to take it to the extreme, could a, could a DA decide that uh, aggravated robbery is just not a crime anymore, you know, and, and not prosecute for that? I mean, I know that's to, to the ridiculous level and extreme because there's people getting hurt and this, but I mean, to what extent do they get to decide what's a law and what's not a law versus the legislature? Right, And and I don't even
1: know if it's so much of whether they get to determine or decide what's, law and what's not going to be law versus what they're going to invest their resources in to prosecute. Right.
0: But right, what they're going to prosecute, right. What they're going to accept Absolutely. charges and, take and we've trial. seen
1: that, you know, with other jurisdictions, um, you know, with supposed lesser crimes, the drug crimes um, we've seen it with, you know, class C's where we're not going to incarcerate for class C citations or, you know, this and that. And, and I think there was an issue even with Harris County, um, where they opted, the DA opted not to enforce. Um, and I can't remember what specifically it was, but I, I remember there being a backlash, um, because of the, because of that decision as well. And you might be you, that might be more
0: well i know that there i know there was a um i honestly to a point of harsh conversation between uh, our da and montgomery yeah. county and the harris county da over right. over marijuana laws.
1: that's a um, marijuana base but i wasn't quite, quite sure um,
0: yeah i think it was over the marijuana laws and and even recently uh they're starting to instead do right. uh, ticket and release uh, for some uh, lower crimes. And when I say lower, I'm thinking like right. Class A and Class Bs. Um, so, and. I don't know. I mean, I guess to a point there has to be somewhat of a balance there. I mean, uh, certainly we we need to remove violent people off the street, people that can hurt others and that type of thing. And in Harris County, you have the third largest county in the nation and trying to balance between uh, your jail population, your amount of crimes that you can prosecute versus the court and the prosecutors Mm -hmm. that are available to do so. I mean, at what point do you have to start finding other solutions? But obviously, it's it's never a solution you want to hear uh we're just gonna ignore especially if you're the victim of one of
1: those things you know that just re-victimizes you all over again
0: right right it's it's not not that important to you you know now another law that came out and, and maybe you can give some insight to this uh the booking procedures in which now say that we, uh, I think it actually says we shall take DNA in certain arrest, but there was not a, it was an unfunded mandate. Uh, and basically they said that, uh, the sheriff shall do this on certain crimes when they're booked in, but there was nothing to test mm-hmm. it at DPS. And if it ever became funded, then DPS would have to do this or whatever. Uh, What's currently happening as far as at Montgomery County? Are they they storing this, or what are they doing with DNA samples at Uh, booking time?
1: I'm not aware of what's happening with DNA at the time of booking. I know we had talked about that um, a while ago and looking at the potential um, for the DNA testing, Uh, but at that point, the system that we were looking at wasn't validated. So I am not aware of of them
0: collect. So you're talking about the rapid DNA stuff. because of
1: that, that's where that was kind of put on the back burner because that could, that system wasn't validated.
0: Well, and yeah. And so that's, this two, um, I guess to a point, two separate things, but um, I mean, certainly you could, you could use rapid DNA for it, but it would be cost prohibitive uh, with the amount of, of cost on it and stuff. But, uh, yeah, under the last legislature, they talked about the fact that where before it was only like one crime or so that you that you could actually take a DNA swab uh, during a booking, and now there's a, a pretty good laundry list of them. But it was it was again it was another one of those laws that's mm-hmm. like, hey, do this. Yeah, you know, what do we do right. with it so after we do it? Yeah, uh, right. there's not right. a plan. And I I right. do
1: now that you mentioned that, so I do recall um, they will they don't go through our crime lab. Um, What I think is happening is they are utilizing the state kits, the kits that are put together um, by the state, which we would often use if somebody came in under court order, then we would collect DNA and it's a addressed, you know, it's an assembled kit provided by the state and which is sent back to the state. So I believe that's probably what they are using um, to where it, it doesn't come through well, our I mean, that office, so sense. I'm not fully aware of the procedures. Um, but that would be that would make the most sense that they collect right. it and then it goes right into the mail back to the state.
0: I mean it, and it's awesome as far as the way it's heading. At least I guess right. from a law enforcement perspective. Obviously, uh, you know there's there's other arguments to that under. Uh, freedom and civil liberties mm-hmm. and, and otherwise. And um, the, the biggest argument on it is now we're able to take DNA right, before you right. have been convicted. And the law is also very specific to the fact that if you are found not guilty if you're not convicted, that that right. DNA has to be destroyed. And uh, matter of fact, you know, also from the headlines of uh, uh, February 20th, New York Times, uh, New York police to remove DNA profiles of non criminals from databases. They had uh, 82,000 profiles um, that came under fire because they were people again, that uh, were uh, not uh, convicted uh, that were taken during time. So uh, they had a local, Uh, a local database uh, which again is great Mm -hmm. in the big scheme of things Um, and the idea behind that is if we were able to take people that were booked in and have a local database. Uh, One of the problems that we talked about earlier with the state lab is they don't have the resources many times to do uh, DNA on property crimes. They'll do it on uh, violent crimes, those type of things. So you have a lot of burglars out there that you could take a DNA swab. And if you checked against your local databases, we're well aware many criminals are repeat offenders. We've had them in for or this or that it goes back to our drug conversation. They mm-hmm. may have come in for drugs. Uh, now they're breaking into houses to pawn right. stuff to get more drugs. That if they're in a local database, you get a hit and, and can have that. So I mean, I, I think the the idea behind it is great. I think it's sort of the future of law enforcement as far as as having that. Um, you're right. The the rapid DNA, which is about the size of mm-hmm. an toxilizer machine. Um, you know, Not much bigger than, than just a, a box right. that you would sit on a table and doesn't require a great deal of, of right. knowledge on how to work it. Uh, you just take a swab, put it in. But the last that I had checked on that, the, the actual device itself was about a quarter of a million dollars. And for each plastic tray that held five samples, you were looking at about $1,500 mm-hmm. per tray. And that was whether you use one sample or five. Uh, you know, right. it's it's gone. It's a disposable type tray because it had all the chemistry right. and everything in it to do. You know, the where I see that being a benefit, where I see that sort of being the the future in law enforcement, as with the um, with the crimes against children and sexual assaults and such. You know, if currently, if I have a he said she said. And I have a um, young child, and she's claiming that her uncle sexually assaulted her. And, you know, I have biological fluid, and that's on the scene. And I can test that against a known sample Uh of the uncle. And in the rapid DNA, in 90 minutes, I have a a match. Right. And so, you know, my thought is if, if I can get a presumptive, if I still right. have to send this off to the state and, and do a much right. more thorough, but if a presumptive allows me to get an arrest right. warrant and take it, him off the street while I go get and pay yeah. for the, right. You know, that, that's where I see the, the next step, hopefully.
1: And, so, and I think you know with that and with, you know, the issue in dealing with New York, I think it, you know, ultimately it it seems like it comes down to what are the proper protocols and in the plan in order to proceed forward? You know, do they have the proper audit in place that, you know, if, if it is that somebody has been um, the charges have been dropped or, um, you know, the record's been expunged, that kind of thing. That they have the resources and the manpower to go back in and, you know, and delete that profile or whatever the case is. So, again, it like a lot of things in law enforcement, it, it seems to come down to manpower and resources. So, you know, we can have all the plans in place, but if the means are not there for it to follow through, then I think that's where a lot of the, the systems break down.
0: No, and I think you're right. There does have to be a framework and guidelines, and and I think it was said best, again, in another news article from the UK, uh, in talking about Mm -hmm. the use of AI, um, that uh, it was actually in in Britain, and they talked about uh, speaking of uh, facial recognition and DNA and biometrics Mm -hmm. and AI and all these emerging tech, that, that there's been... Uh, an argument over just legislative framework uh, and debate in their parliament and, and basically the police uh, pretty much just said give us the right. law and we'll work within it you know, come up with the guidelines that you want us to follow. Um, you know, let's talk about those and set those in place. And and that goes back to like you said before with with New York. Once you have those guidelines of yes, we're going to take this, but afterwards we're going to purge this, and there's an audit and and whatever has to happen, so that we have the resources and ability to move law enforcement further into the future with this technology, but also with respect of other people's uh, privacy and to to utilize it to pur- protect our community and uh, not where we have a database right. of people that don't need to be in there.
1: Right. And I keep kind of feeding off of that, of the give us the law and we'll work within that. You Give us the law to start that conversation. Like you said, this is this is the goal. This is what we want. Give us time to acquire those resources and get the protocols in place before the law goes into effect. So we're not putting the cart before the horse like so many times happens.
0: right i mean it it goes back to that uh, you know i'm i'm not sure how because i i know that you know laws don't happen without so many checks and balances i mean every every law that goes to our state legislature ends up in a committee there's experts in that committee that talk about it there's people that come to defend it some that come you know mm-hmm. uh, to argue against it i mean it's how we had a law, like I said, uh, that made it all the way through in reference to THC that no one ever asked the question, hey, do we have the ability to test for this? You know, I I still can't wrap my head around out of so many people and being involved in the process that no one came up with that question. And who knows, maybe it did. And other people have ignored it for the fact to try to have this as a workaround right uh, that basically uh maybe some people wanted to make it harder to prosecute i don't know what the what the agenda item was there hopefully there wasn't one it was just a um, lack of and i wonder if
1: with the marijuana law if that really originated <laughs> um not so much with farmers but with merchantiles as far as yeah, you know, there's a lot of different products that can be made with hemp. And so on the economy side, not even factoring in the law enforcement aspect of it, of, you know, this w- could potentially open up more economy, um, you know, boosting the economy because more products can be readily sold um, and not thinking of the criminal justice side of it, and now we're we're jumping through hoops trying to rectify that side of it because it wasn't thought of up front.
0: No, I, I certainly agree. And I, I believe that a majority of it was under the right. agricultural side. It was under crops. It Smart was under, uh, you know, the, the main things you can make and all that. And and you may be correct. It may have never even made it to a criminal justice committee. It may have been on the agricultural side and their committees and and right. not linked the two together. Uh, but, you know, obviously, at some point someone had to come <laughs> right. up with the right. definition right? Someone had to come up with this percentage. And I, uh, again, someone had to have a conversation of why was it, you know, uh, a you know, 0.03%, not a 0.05 or not. not I mean, just so, an arbitrary uh, number. <laughs> and right. So, I mean, and I would believe that at that point, uh, again, someone would have had to have been able to test for it to yeah. say, well, this is what, you know, what right. makes this that level right it, so verify um,
1: that it is it meets this criteria
0: right but no i i totally agree i think that uh, a very big focus was on agriculture was on uh, the commercial market of using hemp and and there was a great deal of focus to try to make sure that uh, farmers and people that uh, were able to grow that were still mm-hmm. capable to grow that and make right. that free commerce available So I think that, that uh, that'll wrap up uh, this week as far as just talking about some of the different law enforcement issues. And uh, we sort of focused on uh, laws and drugs and, uh, and other things this week. But these are just some of the things that came out of the headlines. And we always like to sort of give a, a point of view just aside from the media and just more of a law enforcement perspective on them. And I appreciate uh, you joining me. And uh, we'll be back uh, another time to discuss some more things.